0: Welcome to another episode of The Impolite Psychologist. So I thought I would talk today about addiction because addiction is something that I see quite often in my practice and I have for years. So when I was a pre-doctoral intern, as a predoctoral intern, you are not finished with your degree yet, but you have to do hours in order to develop competence in therapy and testing and all the good stuff that psychologists have to do. And one of my pre-doctoral internships was in a rehab. And what was interesting at the time is that when you're a student. In a doctoral program, everybody kind of goes off and does their own pre-doctoral internship. Most facilities only take a few people each, so you might be one of two or four or 5 predoctoral interns total. And when I would meet up with other students and they would ask me what my internship was about, and I would tell them, I was at a rehab. Most of the time, other students would have almost an aversive reaction, meaning that they couldn't understand why on earth I would do such a thing, that I would go to a place that was focused on drug addiction. And even now, if I say that this is one of my specialties, a lot of people in my field will almost shudder and be like, I don't know how you do that. And so for years, I had thought the reason that people reacted that way was because they didn't have experience in this arena. Because addiction to me is just the result of. It is coping skills that people develop, but really essentially their issues are mental health in nature, and that addiction is just a maladaptive coping skill for problems that are mental health problems. And so it never made sense to me, first of all, why my colleagues' would have such a reaction, but also it felt kind of strange that they didn't think of themselves as dealing with addiction or anything related to addiction, because the mental health problems are the same as anywhere else. There's nothing unique really going on here other than a person choosing substances as their coping skill rather than something else. But addiction, as we know, takes on many forms, and I've referred to workaholism, and people can be addicted to now surfing the internet or food or you name it. You know, there are a number of things that people can be addicted to but for some reason the idea of a person being addicted to alcohol or drugs has been something that my colleagues don't want to touch with a 10-foot pole and in the beginning I just thought maybe it's because they don't know what to do with somebody who is addicted And I thought that for a number of years. And now, looking back and sort of having some life experience and talking to more people over time, I've come to realize that maybe that's not it at all. Maybe it's not that my colleagues have been ignorant and don't wanna work with something they don't know about, but in fact, they might have Personal experience with someone they know who has an addiction to a substance. Because what I've learned is it's really hard to find people who have no experience whatsoever of addiction in their personal life. Maybe you yourself have been addicted, but maybe not. Maybe somebody in your family, maybe it's a friend or a family friend that you keep hearing stories about. I think we all on some level either have our own personal experience, know somebody personally, or know of someone else who has had to deal with an addicted person in their family or their partner and or someone who has had to deal with an addicted person who is in their life, and that has been very difficult. And so I think we all have been touched by this in one way or another. And so what's interesting is I was trying to think about what is a good movie that sort of captures addiction. And the first thing that popped into my mind was Less Than Zero. And I had trouble actually even thinking of another movie besides that. Now, this was a movie that was released in 1987. That's the first thing that popped into my head. Nothing of recent years. And there are tons and tons of movies on this subject matter. But for some reason, that one popped into my head. And maybe the reason that that popped into my head is because that was very impactful. Now, if you haven't seen Less Than Zero, the story is about a kid returning home from his freshman year of college and finding his friends and sort of what's happened to them in the Beverly Hills scene. And one of his best friends has become addicted to cocaine and his life is beginning to plummet. Now, the character who is addicted to cocaine, Julian, is played by Robert Downey Jr. And perhaps the reason that this is the movie that I dial into immediately is because this was a movie about a person who was addicted, and it was played by somebody who was very close to being addicted. According to Robert Downey Jr., he was using at night and showing up hungover in the morning to do his job on this film. Now, he called it the ghost of Christmas future because when he played the role of Julian, He wasn't quite there yet, but he was on his way. Now, mind you, this movie was released in 1987, and then when we got into the 90s, Robert Downey Jr. was nowhere to be found except for in the headlines for his problems with addiction. And so nobody saw him for a while acting. And then apparently in 2003, he... Got clean. And by 2008, he was starring in Iron Man, and he's been sober and he's been vocal about being sober since then, and his career has taken off. And so, kudos to him because he has recovered, at least he's in recovery from his addiction. Now, what's interesting is there's a lot of debate about what causes addiction. And this is sort of the age old story of nature versus nurture. There are a lot of people who work in the field of psychology, or the field of addiction, which these aren't always the same places, who believe that absolutely, there's a genetic component here that if your family has the gene, you're going to get the gene, and you're doomed, and that's that. And what's interesting about that is that the reason that addiction is considered genetic is because it's often passed from a parent onto a child. And so it must be genetic, right? Except... One of the things I know about the work I do is that lots of things get passed from parent to child that have nothing to do with genetics, but in fact have to do with habits and coping skills that are taught. And so if your mother teaches you that anytime time things get tough emotionally, Have a drink. You'll feel better. If that's what she does throughout your entire life, wouldn't at some point you try to do the same? I mean, what other coping skills has your mother shown you, right? Maybe there are others, maybe not. But it seems to me like it's a behavior that can easily be taught. To take it a step further... Gabor Mate is somebody who is a physician who I've mentioned before, and and he's pretty famous. He is a physician who believes that most diseases come from trauma and personality traits that are developed to cope with trauma. And so his take on the whole nature versus nurture situation. Now, as a physician, he should be saying that there's a genetic component because physicians look at physiology and genetics and biology. That's the lens they see the world through. However, one of the things that he has pointed out is there is no identified gene for addiction. We can identify genes for various diseases. We know there's an identified gene for breast cancer, for example. However, no one has discovered a gene for addiction or alcoholism. It doesn't actually exist. And to take it a step further, if you have ever met people in rehab, their story is never, my family was perfectly functional and everything went well for me and then one day I grabbed a bottle of beer and I could never put alcohol down again. I could never stop drinking again. Nobody says that. In rehab, All you hear are stories of trauma and disconnection between people and their families. And it's not something that happened in adulthood after they became addicted. It's something that started at a very young age. And basically, there's one thing, no matter what anybody's drug of choice is, There's one thing that everybody has in common who is addicted to something. And that is they are trying to avoid painful feelings on the inside. And so the best way to avoid painful feelings on the inside is to use some sort of substance that makes the feeling stop, that makes the pain go away. And we see this a lot with people who have schizophrenia. When you ask somebody who has schizophrenia how they make the voices go away when they're not on their meds, they will tell you often that they use substances to make it stop. And can we blame them? Not at all. It's understandable. If you are being plagued by what's inside of your own head, of course you would choose whatever it takes to make it stop. And that's what the nature of addiction is. It's an avoidance of pain. Now, not only is an addiction to substances, and avoidance of pain. But it is also a creation of a feeling that cannot be achieved in real life, meaning that it creates a feeling of maybe ecstasy, or maybe relief, or even confidence. We know about liquid courage right we talk about people who have a drink so that they have the guts to say something to tell somebody off or to approach that attractive person that you're interested in because normally in real life you wouldn't have that confidence because of the pain on the inside because you don't feel good enough because you've always felt less than Or because you're so stressed about the pain on the inside that you need something that will just give you some relief and make it stop. And so that's it. Because the substance becomes the thing inside of you that makes everything better. Because you cannot get, that feeling from simply shifting your mindset or meditating or getting a massage. Nothing does it like the substance. And so what happens is that people find ways of dealing with what's going on that is painful on the inside by using something external, to make it go away because they don't have the internal skills to make the pain go away. And there's an interesting thing that happens with people who are addicted when they get clean and they are off substances. They end up with a condition known as alexithymia And thank you, Wikipedia, for coming up with this one. It's also known as emotional blindness. Alexithymia appears in people in rehab or people who are coming to therapy for the first time when they first begin to get recovery. And what it is, is that a person has spent so much time, so many years of their life with stopping their painful feelings through the use of substances, that there's sort of a problem that develops, if you will, a side effect of stopping the feelings. And that is that your brain doesn't pick and choose which feelings to hold on to and which feelings to get rid of. When you're addicted, you don't just get rid of painful feelings. You get rid of all feelings. You get to numbness. And what happens is, and and maybe certain types of substances might bring on euphoria, but the real feelings of, say, joy, happiness, enthusiasm, the good feelings, get suppressed too. And so after years of numbing yourself from all your feelings, all your emotions, you develop alexithymia. That means that when I ask you what's going on with you emotionally, such a good therapist question, a lot of times people with alexithymia don't have words for what's going on with them emotionally, because They haven't been able to recognize feelings in so long that they don't even know what feelings they're having in any given moment. And so if I ask the question, what's going on with you emotionally right now when we're in therapy and talking about something difficult, a lot of times a person newly in recovery won't know what to say. And the best often that they can come up with is what's happening physiologically. They might be able to say, My heart's racing, or I feel dizzy, or something like that. They might be able to dial into what's going on with themselves physically, but. Being able to describe something emotionally is a whole other thing altogether and very difficult. Now, this is not a permanent condition. This is something that just sort of happens when people get so out of touch with understanding their emotions for so long that emotions become foreign in a way. And so it is our task in the world of psychology to help people find their way back to their emotions. Now, how do you sell this to somebody who has painful emotions? you got to sell the part about the good stuff coming back, too. That when people get recovery... And it's going to be the bad stuff first, unfortunately, right? Because in order to get recovery, you have to work through the pain that is inside of you. You have to stop avoiding and you have to face it head on. And when you do that, when you face the pain inside of yourself and you work through some of that pain, then you have the opportunity after that to experience all the good stuff that comes along. The joy, the happiness, the love, the satisfaction, true connection with other human beings, because that's the thing that gets destroyed too, is relationships get destroyed through addiction too. I mean, how do you connect with somebody when you can't even connect with yourself? And so people who are addicted not only need to find other people who are addicted in order to keep using the substances, but also need to find other people who don't actually plan on trying to be connected with them, who aren't actually invested in having a connected and meaningful relationship. And so... On some level, it's like finding another superficial friend who doesn't care about your feelings at all or doesn't want to know you at all, just cares about what's on the outside. Can you party? Will you be okay if I get high in front of you? That's it. That's the only requirement. And so sometimes I hear these stories from people who have been in the trenches of addiction who talk about, particularly for people who have been heroin users, they've lost a lot of friends in the process. A lot of people die who they used to hang out with because they accidentally overdose. Or sometimes they overdose on purpose because the feeling is so euphoric that they would love to go out that way. That if that were the way they died, then that's okay. And so there's a lot of that. There's a lot of loss that occurs in these communities. But at the same time, how deep was the relationship anyway? It's always sort of, that has always been my question. What is the loss like when the only thing that you had in common with this other person was your love of the substance? You didn't really have true bonding because you were high all the time together. Unless it's somebody that you bonded with when you were sober, I don't know. But usually not. Usually that's the thing that keeps addicted people together. Now, there's been a lot of controversy also about the legalization of marijuana, and I have my own personal opinions about that. But I think one of the things that has happened all around with the legalization of marijuana is that there's a much more casual attitude about it, that people are more open and about their discussions about marijuana being okay or their recreational use of marijuana. Nobody's hiding anything from anybody about that anymore now that it's legal in a lot of states. But this has been terrible for people who are trying to get recovery because what will happen is that People will be addicted to a particular substance, say alcohol or heroin or cocaine or whatever it is, and they will stop using that substance. But this casual thought process about marijuana is sort of everywhere now and I think a lot of people who have problems with addictions to other substances can now justify using pot and because it's not as bad as what they were using and it's legal now so it's legitimate and it's okay and I have had trouble with this with a justification for using sort of a, quote, less serious substance. And when somebody is already addicted to substances and uses them to get rid of pain and now has a legitimate drug to use that they can't get in a lot of legal trouble for using and everyone's sort of casual about it, they can go down that rabbit hole too in a heartbeat. And I don't think that people understand that it's not okay for everyone. And that's a problem I've seen. Addiction is nothing easy to get over. It is a huge hurdle because it's not just about Stopping the use of a substance. It's also about dealing with the most traumatic and painful feelings inside of yourself. And dealing with the biggest heartbreaks of your life that caused you to feel like you need something outside of yourself to have any kind of relief or relaxation on the inside. And so it's not just stopping the habit. It's about facing all your demons on the inside, head on, and living with those demons and tolerating the feelings that come with that. But I promise you that if you can do that, You will get reconnected to the world around you and you will have joy and happiness and appreciation and gratitude and relaxation in your life. But you're going to have to fight the tough fight first and it's not going to be easy. Be well and thank you for listening.